1: Welcome back to the show. Today we have Marie Incontrera. She's an author, consultant, and speaker. Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm actually really quite fascinated to get into a bunch of the stuff that we'll cover a bit later. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
2: (laughs) Sounds good. Um well, I grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and I moved a whole twenty minutes away to Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and um I've been living here ever since.
1: Okay, very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why?
2: Um, so I majored in I had a double major in biology and music. It's actually kind of a funny story. I graduated high school early. Okay. And um you know I sort of felt the pressure to do something that um would, you know, quote-unquote, make me money. So I uh, went to school for biology because I did well in science, and I realized I didn't like it, um, but I was already really far into my degree, and so I decided to stick with it, and I double-majored in music as well.
1: Very cool. So what made you take take that, or especially kind of music, because I always kind of fa- find it fascinating, and I also think... Understanding music and playing music, maybe you never end up doing it for a living. You maybe just do it for a, as a hobby for the rest of your life. But I think what you learn in that transfers into so many other industries. At least that's my opinion. Do you agree with that, or what Absolutely. are your thoughts on that?
2: Absolutely, I, I definitely. I and I and I did have a career as a musician. Nice. Um, I was actually a full-time uh, performing musician for a while, um, and. I even now, now it's it's sort of more of a hobby thing. I do, I still do get paid for things, but I um, get to only take the projects that I really feel good about, which is a luxury. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, Um,
3: right?
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I I do feel that my my creative training really transfers into my everyday work.
1: No, I 100% agree. And I think even just, it's funny, just being in the industry is, or, Industry as well, and, and kind of growing up playing music. There are so many people in that are entrepreneurial or in the startup game that either are still musicians, were musicians, a bit of both. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's always kind of fascinated to me how, how many musicians have kind of moved into the tech, social media, online space. So that's always kind of, oh, absolutely. So, Mm-hmm. Walk me through your career up until what you're doing now because you're you're doing a ton of stuff and it's really actually quite fascinating.
2: Thank you. Um, well, I like I said, I started out as a musician, um, which really means doing a bunch of odd jobs all the time. Sure. You know, um sort of work getting work when you can. Um I was performing, I had a band that did very well, or last performance was actually at Carnegie Hall nice so Sweet. um yeah we were super lucky we had a really robust um performance schedule for the four years that we were active um but it also meant that i was teaching a lot and right. you know taking copying work and doing anything that i could um to make ends meet as a musician and uh one day i was at i was at my job teaching middle school part time okay and it was sort of a really difficult job and I um, get a text message from a friend who is an a business author and consultant. And she said, I have an idea for you. Quit your okay. job.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and interesting. I said,
2: what is... <laughs> yeah. I said, okay, um, what? <laughs> and she said, what, uh, you know, why don't you try becoming a virtual assistant? It would be really great to make some more money. You can work from home, flexible hours. Sure. This way you have time to pursue your music and, you know, it's easier to make ends meet. So, I uh, took the leap and um, became a virtual assistant. And then slowly, uh, people started coming to me for one of three things. And those things were social media, uh, podcast booking, um, and also TEDx booking and uh, speaker coaching. And so slowly, as um, I was going through that and I realized, oh, people are coming to me for these things, maybe I should formalize my packages and what I'm really doing now is consulting, not really being a virtual assistant.
3: Okay.
1: So what what fascinated me about what you're doing is you work with a lot of people to actually get them a TED Talk and, and help them through that process. So do you want to walk us through that journey of how you became uh, an expert in uh, TEDx consulting and... Uh, And some of that
2: stuff? Sure. Um, Well, it kind of happened by accident. Um, The same friend who said, hey, quit your job. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Part of the reason I was able to do that is because she sort of helped me um, get started. And, you know, she said, I'll, you know, send you a few clients. And if it works out, uh, you'll start getting referrals. And so one of the first clients that she sent me um, was somebody who needed to get booked on a TED Talk, you know, he had his idea and, um, you know, and she said, yeah, you could do this. Just here's, here's the site. Here's how you book. And I said, okay, well, no guarantees. I mean, it, it, it is a Ted talk, right? Like <laughs> I, I, I sure. can't make the guarantee that you'll get in. And he said, well, let's try it. Okay. Unless he would happen. At least you were was, honest. Getting booked for- right. <laughs> 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 you know, um, And and he, he a full disclosure, had already had his talk written, so I didn't help him with the idea. Okay. Um, But he said, all right, let's try it for for a month. I really just need somebody to send my pitch out and to send the talk idea out and and let's see what happens. And he ended up getting booked for two talks. Wow. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, I was like, oh. (laughs) And then... um, Because that happened, more clients started coming to me and saying, hey, could you get me a type of
3: book? Sure, sure.
2: And, you know, I I, used the same stipulation. I was like, no guarantees. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, a couple of of my clients got booked for at least one. Nice. Every client that came to me started getting booked. And I was like, oh, I must have, I must, I must really know what I'm doing here. So let me see if I can formalize this.
3: Sure. And
2: step one of that was me doing my own talks. Okay. Um, you know, going through the pitch process myself, I got as creative as possible with my ideas. So that um, by the time, you know, by the time I had done my talks, I really knew the system. I knew it worked. I knew it didn't. And um, I formalized it as a premium offering.
1: Sure. So I know I don't really want to give away... Um, everything that you do for your clients to get them a TED Talk, but what do mm-hmm. people need to think about or where should they come to somebody like yourself in, in the mm-hmm. process?
2: That's a great question. Um, And for someone, for for myself, I work with people um at all steps in the process. So some okay. people come to me with a completed idea. Some people come to me and say, hey, I've written this book. Here's what I consult on. Um, here's the blog that I write, you know, or, or you know, I contribute regularly to whatever high-profile publication. Sure. Um, you know what ideas that I have could be TED stage worthy. Nice. Um, so I I do code and I do also just go through the whole pitch process. Um, but my th- my thinking, and so far. I've been right <laughs> nice. is that um, everybody who works with ideas for a living has the potential to give a TED talk. And it's really just a matter of taking your idea, making it something that, you know, number one works with the TED guidelines and number two um, is something that only you could give. So I'll give you an example. I have a lot of clients who in the beginning they come to me and they say, Hey, I'm going to give a talk on being mindful. Okay. okay <laughs> and I'm sure. like, okay, go on and go, go on this ad website, <laughs> and <laughs> you and everybody else wants to give a talk on this, you know. So it's really about, okay, maybe you could give a talk on mindfulness, but how do you give a talk that nobody else has given before?
1: Interesting. Sure. No. Interesting. So
2: that's sort of that's when, when I say come to me is when when you have the ideas and you you're an expert in something.
1: OK, so do you work with somebody like if I come to you, do you work mm-hmm. with me to figure out what I could talk about based on my yes. experience? OK, um, mm-hmm. is there exactly. cer- is there certain things or topics that um, the, the TEDx community is always kind of looking for or are they looking for unique ideas or it's kind of all over the place and they're willing to take anything as long as it's a really good uh, talk?
2: That's a good question. Um, Every TEDx event is different. So some of them have a theme. Um, And and the themes generally tend to be pretty general. Okay. Like, for example, I I was a part of one that their uh, theme was uh, change your mind, change your life. Okay. And that can, you know, that can be anything. That could be about art. It could be about, you know, climate change. It could be about, you know, Tech, it could be about relationships. So um, that's an example. But some of them, you know, they, they don't announce a theme and then they kind of see who they get.
3: Ah,
2: okay. Um,
1: interesting.
2: So, yeah, so it's really, in, in the pitch process, it's a, it's a matter of once the idea is there and you know what you want to talk about, yes, you can hone it to fit a uh, talk's theme, right. but you also want to cast a wide net so that, you know, you might get accepted in, you know, California or New York or, you know, Minnesota or wherever your talk is also a good fit.
1: Okay, so wait a second. I I, oh, I know, obviously, I think most people have heard of TED, if not everybody at this point. Can we step back for a sec? What's the difference between TED and TEDx? Mm-hmm. And then I want to dive a little bit deeper into the, the location thing you just touched on. So, do you want to start there? Sure. Maybe? So okay. It's-
2: Absolutely. So TED is technology, entertainment, and design. And they're short talks, 18 minutes or less. Okay. About an idea. And they're research backed. Okay. So you don't sell during a TED talk, you know, like for example, if you're talking about the ideas in your book. Right. You don't say, in my book, I found that XYZ.
3: Got
1: you. But
2: you talk about the research in your book.
3: Okay, interesting.
2: So, um, you're, you're and, kind of and soft selling, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, there, there is a, um, concrete takeaway. It's actionable. It's something that people can use right. and it's research back. So, you know, you don't get up there and say, Hey, um, you know, I don't know. Um, listening to music for 10 minutes a day could change your life. Right, sure. That could be your idea, okay. but if it's not backed by research, right. it's not a TED talk. Uh, and then you. TEDx, uh, TEDx are independently organized TED style conferences.
1: Right. Okay. So you mentioned something. Why well, I wanted that background just so people understand. Is mm-hmm. so you get people to talk at the different events, but they don't necessarily have to talk at a local event. They can talk at, well, anywhere globally, right? That, that offers one of these events. Right. So how does Mm -hmm. that work? How does that work? And how do you decide if I should try to talk in California or New York or, or somewhere else in the world?
2: Well, the way we do that is, um, you know, and that's part of the reason that I'm in business, right? Right. Because there are, So many talks Mm -hmm. all over the world. They're happening all the time. And the best way to get a TED talk is to cast a wide net.
3: Okay. Interesting. Right?
2: So you say, um, here's my idea. And you really should be willing to go wherever they'll take you as long as they have a good video. You know, you're going to get a good video out of this. That's the point of giving a TED talk is that you have this video.
3: Sure,
1: that you can post online into social media, exactly. and, and wherever mm-hmm. else you want to promote, right? It, and to be mm-hmm. fair, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think using something like a TED Talk gives you very good credibility. There's other ways to get oh, credibility, absolutely. but but TED TED is very much up there at kind of. They're one of the pinnacle mm-hmm. things to achieve in your career. That's my opinion, and I've never done one. Absolutely. S- so, I- yeah,
2: no, absolutely. Okay. So, absolutely. And I will say, you know, um, I, I personally, when I did my talks, the months that I did my talks, okay. um, you know, so the video hadn't even come out yet were the months that I saw an increase in my business. Okay. So, why- because all of a sudden you have that, that, uh, that name next year, you know, you have the TED. Logo, TEDx logo next your name. Sure.
1: So, what was your talk about? Just out of curiosity.
2: Well, I did two. Okay. Um, my first one was about jazz. Um, okay. And how jazz is a great example of innovation. Sure. For business leaders, so it's a really great model for business leaders to be looking at when they're interested in innovation through it. Um. That was my first talk. My second talk was about um, exercise and earning potential and how, you know, being healthy can um, statistically make you a higher earner, whether you're self-employed or, A, um, working a job. Okay. I I agree
1: with both of those, but you maybe want to give a little bit of a in-depth, uh, quick kind of... What do you cover in each one of those talks? Because I I think they're very much relevant to my audience, but I also want them to go mm-hmm. uh, check them out online.
2: <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> please please do watch my talks. <laughs> um, well, okay, so the jazz one uh, it's called Jazzpreneur. Okay. Um music is um, is the answer to business innovation, and sure. it's a look at um, I tell a few stories in it about what innovation looks like. So okay. one example is there was an instrument maker in the late 19th century who liked to create hybrid instruments. And most of them went down in history as kind of like these novelty instruments, like, you know, using um, a tuba and mixing it with a bassoon, for instance.
3: Okay, interesting. Um,
2: and it produces a, a whole different sound. Uh, so he took a bassoon and a clarinet and he um, created a hybrid. And it was meant for an orchestra, but this instrument was really too loud and it was too brassy, and yet it kind of didn't work. It kind of overpowered a lot of the orchestral instruments, so it really didn't work. Okay. And um, that instrument maker's name was Adolf Sax. Okay. And what he had invented was the saxophone.
3: Interesting. And
2: um, so completely by accident, jazz musicians saw it, and what really didn't work for the orchestra actually – was perfect for a jazz band because the saxophone was unlike any instrument that anybody had ever seen. It could, you know, it had the expressive quality, and yet it could cut through a whole jazz band.
1: Sure. Interesting.
2: Very cool. So, that, you know, that's one of the stories, um, you know, that I tell in that talk.
1: Very cool. Um, and, and the second talk?
2: Um, the second talk is about... Um Exercise and earning potential, so um I last year I started playing roller derby, and I used myself as a case study and also looked at um, uh well workplace wellness initiatives and business leaders who have committed to their wellness and physical health as part of their business model and you know talking about people like Richard Branson and Mark sure. Zuckerberg. They're very very careful, and they treat themselves very very well, and they're some of the highest highest earners in the world.
1: Sure, it's hard to argue with that, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: okay, those are so, my two talks. So I'm curious, though, and I would put myself in this this boat. It, mm-hmm. It's hard to make time, or it, it's really easy to put off. Make, making sh- taking care of yourself, right? I, like, from a health perspective or eating healthy, like, it's so much easier right. to just pick up some crappy fast food that's bad for you and, and say, okay, well, I'm not going to work out tonight because I have a pile of stuff that I'm behind on. So how do you mm-hmm. motivate yourself to, I'm sure, like, you have your cheat days where you still enjoy Oh, sure. Right? And you still maybe mm-hmm. slack off here and there, but how do you stay motivated to actually keep going, you know, weeks, months, years later?
2: Well, that's a great question. And it's funny because uh, I do have, you know, I do get lazy sometimes, Sure, I think we all <laughs> you know, do, um, it. yeah, especially, you know, being self-employed and, and being an entrepreneur. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I can't leave and go to the gym because I'm you know, really stuck on a deadline or something like that. That does happen. Sure. Um and when that does happen, I forgive myself. <laughs> you, sure? you know, and I move on and I say, okay, the next day. But what what keeps me motivated is that I think better.
3: Interesting. When
2: I'm working out, you know, I problem solve better. I have more stamina in my work day. And so what I find is that if I treat my wellness like I treat my career, that, I have better results in both. So that's how I stay motivated.
3: Okay.
1: Interesting. No, I I think that's that's really good advice. So at what point though did you know that these these effects of actually staying healthy and, and working out were actually affecting your business business? Was there a defining moment or or what made you convinced that it's working?
2: Well, um I I track my income over time. Okay. Um, and, you know, my talk is not about, you know, wellness can change your life. Right. So that's really general. So that's that's actually a, a, um, another point for, for people wanting to give a TED Talk. It has to be really specific. Okay. So it can't be, you know, exercise can change your life, change your relationships, make you earn more money. You know, it's like, no, you pick one of those. Got you. Okay. And, you know, so I – Really thought about it, and I, and I um, was joining a roller derby team, Okay. and so I knew I was going to be committing to exercising a certain amount of hours every week, and really taking my wellness seriously, because if you don't eat right, you know, you're not going to last at practice.
1: Right. Interesting. Um, so being accountable to something, or, or a team, in your case, it sounds like. Exactly. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you need to figure yeah. out what works for you.
2: Right, and then you know, so i I tracked my income, okay, and um, I started earning more once I started taking exercise seriously, and I started training and um, and i did so I got curious about it. I did some research, and it turns out that, um, according to time magazine, um employees who exercise are nine percent more statistically than employees in the same position who don't.
1: Interesting.
3: Wow.
2: So, and that's because they're taking fewer 50s. They're more likely to get a raise. Right. They're more likely to become the go-to person for something. And the boss trusts them more because their problem-solving skills are better. Interesting. They're happier at work. Um, They, you know, they're healthier. So that okay. means that they work better.
1: Interesting. So, how many times a week do you get in a workout on average?
2: Um, I try to do at least three four times a week. Okay. Um, But, you know, I keep moving every day, have a standing desk. <laughs> you know, um, when I take a break, I try to walk around or, or something like that. It really becomes part of your life.
1: No, I, I think that's really good advice, right? Because I think especially people that – are doing their own thing and running their own company. It's so easy to to put off, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's good uh to hear from people like yourself that are that are doing it and continue to do it, right? And just kind of tr- mm-hmm. hopefully motivate other people to do it for themselves as well because <laughs> I Yeah, no, I think that's great. But you wrote a book. Do you want to talk about what the book's about and and what made you actually decide to write the book?
2: Sure. So, um, I have a, my, I actually have two books. Um, the first one's about social media, but the second one is, um, called spread your idea. Okay. And it's about the TEDx process. Okay. It's about taking your idea from, I don't know what to write about. <laughs> sure. To having all your pitch materials ready to go and then pitching, you know, the book is really for people who want to pitch themselves. Okay. Um, so it takes them through that process. If somebody, you know, doesn't have the time or the, you know, funds to work with somebody like me who will pitch them, here's here's a step-by-step guide to make a successful pitch for yourself.
1: Very cool. So obviously you decided to write the book because you've been doing it for a while and, and yeah, no, that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I'm curious, though, what made you decide to kind of, give give that away to people because in in a lot of cases you're almost sabotaging your own business right
2: (laughs) well um sort of but you know um not everybody has the like i said has the time sure or the means to work with somebody like me the reason people come to work with me is because they're busy professionals and yeah it's not that you know my my method is not wrong right like okay you know it just takes a lot of time go to the (laughs) the, you know the coaching is one is one aspect of things and sort of peeling back the layers of the talk idea you know that requires expertise absolutely but you know the actual pitch process it's just time consuming and so my book has is is really just kind of like a quick version of here's how you do it you know and by the way. if you don't have time for this, come talk to me. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: So, so have you found that a lot of people that have bought the book end up hiring you to do it for them and they just really wanted to understand the process of kind of what you're going to go through for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I found, okay. I wrote the books, Um, I, wrote, I I have written my books over my career because um I wanted that social proof aspect of things. You know, we talked about credibility right. and I think that there are two things that offer maximum credibility, and okay. one is a book, and the other is a TED Talk, but people are more likely to watch a TED Talk than read a book. So, yeah, So that was sort of why, why I wrote that.
1: No, I, I 100% <laughs> agree. I actually wrote a tech book on a framework mm-hmm. years ago, and you're right. Like, it, It's interesting because if you have a book published – Mm-hmm. You automatically have credibility even if they've never even opened the book, right? It, it, it's an interesting right. thing. And you're right. The mm-hmm. TED Talk is kind of the same or or maybe you could argue the next level of, of a book just because people are way more likely to watch the video than actually buy your book even if it's digitally and read the whole thing. And the other thing in my case right. – unless you understand or want to know the framework that I wrote the book on, because I had family members who were like, I'm going to read it cover to cover. It's like, don't even bother. It's, you need to understand, (laughs) you need to have a bunch of skills in a certain thing before Mm -hmm. you should even read the book that I wrote. So if you, (laughs) and you're not even in tech, so like, don't even bother. It's just like, it's code examples and how to use the framework to build what you want to build. So- don't bother it. You're it, like, it, so,
3: but it's interesting. It got exactly. me mm-hmm. a
1: lot of credibility in my career. Yeah. So I, I totally, totally get that. But I I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into some of the other stuff that you do, because you do a lot of social media stuff. You you wrote a book around, mm-hmm. Launching a, a book and, and kind of the social media side, mm-hmm. and then you do some other consulting services. So let's cover some of that stuff,
2: sure. Um so my uh, social media service, of course, I, I I did write a book, and it's funny because um we were saying that, and the social media book is actually um more a calling card than anything. So like okay. when somebody's on the fence about hiring me, I just send them the book. And, nice. you know just way to Interesting.
1: get an idea of how I work. Interesting you know, though. Um
2: that's actually really smart. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I I mean it's just it sort of happened once or twice and I was like, Oh, so this is I understand. A book is a calling card, cool, you know. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, so yeah. is that what motivated so, you to write the book originally or or how did that come to be?
2: Well, I I love writing. Um and, and I actually did the self-publishing school program. Okay, uh, You've probably seen ads for it, uh, yep. Chandler Gold self-publishing school. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I was watching one of his webinars and what sold me on it was he had a book in a weekend challenge. Okay. Interesting. And I said, okay, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Like, okay. you know, if, if you give me 100 days exercise challenge or, you know, 30 days of whatever, I'll do it. Okay, you know, gamification so like, works for gotta, you, interesting. Yeah, exactly. So I said, I got to try this. And, okay. um, so I bought the course, and, um, you know, I mean, of course, you're not writing a 200-page book in a weekend, but you're writing, you know, your first how-to guide. Okay. Or, you know, the thing, and, and his his uh, guide was, uh, your first book should be about the thing that you can't shut up about. Okay Or the thing that people come to you and ask you about all the time, I okay. said, okay, well, so I have this business and I have these three things that I do, so I decided to write about social media because um I saw a need because I work with a lot of business authors and nonfiction authors okay and so in you know, in three days, I wrote uh, probably ninety 90- word document pages.
3: Um,
2: and then it took me a a little while longer than that to, you know, edit it and publish it and everything like that. So that was the first book.
1: Okay. So what do you cover in the book? I think it's pretty clear by now, but just for people that, Mm -hmm. that maybe are still kind of wondering.
2: Sure. So I cover, um, how to leverage your online presence, um, to, and by the way, a book can be a product, it can be a video, it could be your new right. blog, it could be anything. But so this, the the principles are the same, uh, whether you have a book or not. So it's a good book for, you know, pretty much anybody who has some thought leadership or, so you know, a business. Um, but it talks about how to leverage your online communities, so that you get some traction around your book, or your product.
1: No, I think that's that's awesome. So I'm curious though, you're obviously very much involved in the in the social media space and, and helping others and yourself promote mm-hmm. online. What advice do you give people? Because I, I think there's two camps and I'm always on the fence. Like obviously I need to do social media for the show. Right. And I kinda have a love hate relationship with social media. Part of the reason yeah. I love it so much is because you obviously can get out to a ton of people your content. Very targeted, Um, right? Why i I would say like the hate part of social media is, (laughs) like it it can be so time consuming. Yeah, if if you're doing the wrong stuff, and in my experience, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong here, Mm -hmm. is it so trial and error per platform? And I'll try a platform for a while, and if I've had success on it i keep using that platform if i don't have success on mm-hmm. that platform i just kill it off because i i just so <laughs> and, like it, it's a full-time job for people right and so it, it's it can be so challenging to know what to post if you post too much if you post too little mm-hmm. like it, it's mm-hmm. such a juggling balancing act like what are your thoughts and advice on on the whole social media space
2: That's a really excellent question. Um, and yeah, it is trial and error. If you don't know the platform, it can be months and years of trying to figure things out, but each platform has its own algorithm. Sure. Each platform has its own way that it works. You know, um, for example, LinkedIn, um, it works best if you post, you know, early in the morning when people are getting at work, getting to work and, you know, in the middle left of the afternoon when people are leaving. And maybe if you have a big following or an engaging following that's, you know, engaging with all your posts, then maybe you post once at lunchtime also. Um, you know, with Twitter, it's it works better if you do multiple times a day because it's a fast moving platform. Facebook, um, no more than really once or twice a day. Instagram, it kind of doesn't matter. It matters a lot less. So, you know, you look at um you know, and and it it did. It took me years to learn this stuff, but because I know each platform and I know what's go, you know what works and what doesn't, um, you know it's a lot less trial and error for somebody who's you know worked with the platform professionally.
1: no, that that makes a lot of sense. and I, I think the other thing too, and I try to tell people this because they ask, it seems to be you just need to figure out what works for you. Like, if you're mm-hmm. posting content at a certain absolutely. time, you, you should try in the morning, at lunch, in the afternoon, at night, yeah. on the weekends. Not on the weekends. Only... Right. That's absolutely like, right. Like, I'll tell you, for me, posting mm-hmm. about the show and new episodes work the best Tuesday to Thursday. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, for for Twitter and, and Facebook, um, LinkedIn, for me, if I post at night... And even Instagram, for me, seems to work the best at night. If I post early in the morning, Mm -hmm. it's so hit or miss. If I post middle of the day, why even bother, right? And and (laughs) you just told me some of that overlaps, some of that's a bit different, right? And it really depends on the industry, the space you're in, parts of the world that you're targeting, right? And so it's so... Oh, totally. But it's interesting because I've had... People say, well, social media is garbage because I only get like Mm -hmm. 20 likes or I got three new followers this week. It's like, well, sure, that those numbers might be low. But if you have three new followers that are actually interested in your content
3: compared to,
1: say, 3,000 followers, that maybe 1% of those people may be interested in your content, is that... Mm -hmm. What's better, right?
2: Absolutely, no. You're absolutely right. And I've I've had, you know, the th- the thing about social media is that, you know, you you also have to take into account your existing platform. So if you start, you know, if if I start with somebody who has fifty followers, sure, on LinkedIn and you know five followers on Twitter or whatever, you know, it's it's important to hedge your expectations. You're not going to get thousands of followers overnight sure. it's just not you know however if you have 10,000 followers and we start working together you know you can expect and you should expect you know that those followers should be engaging with you sure. and so we look at things like ratios and growth and trends over time you know for, for me social media is not a game and it's not um abstract so okay, it's not like, Oh, this looks really nice. No, we look at engagement every week and we say, how are, how's this going? And if engagement dips, well, why did it dip? What, what content is working? What is isn't? How do we adjust this? You know, and you're right. Everybody's needs are different. You know, I have a client who does a lot of international speaking. And okay. so we post in the middle of the night. Um, you sure. know, I schedule, I schedule a post to go out in the middle of the night. Makes sense. No, it, so.
1: The the engagement thing is something that mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually I kind of want to dive a bit deeper into because sure. the thing that I find really interesting even and I'll use myself as an example is it, yeah I don't know certain platforms I have a lot more followers and engagement than others and mm-hmm. it's really hard like it, it's not hard to get tens of thousands of followers what's really hard is to get tens of thousands of people to engage with you and yeah Mm -hmm. and and so it's better to have a few hundred followers with high engagement than tens of thousands of followers with no engagement right and i get it's never absolutely but i'm curious to know how do you get your followers and i get it's probably different per platform but how do you actually get engagement up? Because I think that's the hardest thing on social media.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's a great question. And part of it, you know, and, and this kind of speaks to my other service, which is, uh, you know, publicity is creating content is so important. So sure. the reason to be on social media, especially for a thought leader or, a, um, you know, an author or a business person is that you want to build digital trust yeah. with your uh, audience, with your potential audience or your existing audience. So the way you do that is you produce content, right. you have podcast conversations or you blog or you, you know, appear on the radio or, you know, you have a, a video blog, whatever the case is, producing content gives people a chance to interact with you before they buy from you. And the more that they trust you, the quicker they're going to buy from you. So this is, you know, this is a long game. It's not, yeah. okay, you're going to do one podcast interview and everybody's going to listen to it. And sure. then you can sell your book, you know, it's really over a matter of months, and lots of really great conversations, you know, and of course, you know, so using, using us as an example, right? Like. Sure after, after this conversation comes out, I'm going to share it sure. and I'm going to tag you. And I, you know, I, I'm going to make sure that you look really good in front of my audience as, as in, in addition to me looking good in front of your audience.
3: Totally. And yep.
2: hopefully we build from that, right? Like yep. hopefully some of my followers follow, follow you now. And so hopefully some of your followers follow me Totally. and it's, it's meaningful. It's not just, oh, cool, look at this, oh, wow, cool. No, it's, it's. oh, I listened to this, and now I trust your opinion because of what I heard you say on this podcast.
1: Yeah, or you heard, like, you go on a bunch of different shows, and right. people have heard you on a few shows, and they're like, oh, wow, I really need to pay attention to what she's doing and look at, like, in the future and what she's done in the past because I really mm-hmm. like her content, right? It, it's interesting, the other Absolutely. thing I want your thoughts on, and it's, I don't know if it's controversial or not, but what do you think about repurposing content? There's, there's been a lot of talk, maybe not necessarily mm. recently, but over the last few years where take your content and whatever it is, if if you have a blog, turn your best blog post into a book and then. After that, you turn it into a course and then turn that same content into, I don't know, maybe your own podcast or radio show or TV show or or whatever. What's your thoughts on repurposing content for the different mediums?
2: My thought is that it's definitely a good thing to do. Um, And I'll tell you why. The reason is um, because not everybody consumes content the same way. Sure, And so, you know... The person, like, for example, this is why I have the TEDx book and my TEDx offering. Um, okay. is because, first of all, somebody may not have the means to work with me, but they right. might still get that va- like extreme value out of my content. Sure. To the point where they might give their TED talk and then, you know, earn more and then finally decide, okay, now, now I need a social media consultant. Sure. So who am I going to work with? Am I going to work with the person who, you know, I don't know, or am I going to work with somebody whose book I read and who helped me get a ted talk in, indirectly, right, Yeah. So,
1: interesting, yeah, it's the long game you know, again, right, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly, and you know, so the people who are listening to podcasts probably aren't also reading my blog, you know sure. um so i think I do think I do think repurposing content is important, um as long as there's a variety of things you know, and i I see it all the time, you know. Each each blog post, even from these people who have, you know, a hundred and some odd um, Forbes articles or whatever, not every piece is its own discrete idea. Everything's sort of building, you know, on, on one another.
1: Sure. No, I, I think that's really good advice. I, I think the other thing, too, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, is everybody out there listening needs to just start creating their own content mm-hmm. on whatever Absolutely. channel they're comfortable with, start there and then mm-hmm. st- eventually move to the channels that you're completely uncomfortable with and hate and despise. And why I say that is I started this show four years ago to get over my mm-hmm. fear of public speaking. I feared it. Like oh, I love deathly that. I love that. So yeah, you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone slow fast somewhere in the middle but you need to start creating your own content and eventually you hope you get to a point where you're successful enough that you can get other people to maybe either help you write your content maybe you write the bullet points or a shorthand or you write three quarters of an article a quarter of an article Mm -hmm. and you get somebody else to turn it into a full article or book or whatever And then you have somebody else promote it, right? But you're still creating the content. They're just expanding on the content. Oh, absolutely. So uh, Mm -hmm. it it sounds like you're in the same boat, right? Like throughout the show, you've talked about doing a bunch of things to either help your career, push yourself out of your comfort zone, or you're doing other things to affect other parts of your life. Like I think the best example is you joining uh, a roller derby team to help you mm-hmm. stay healthy and fit to to make your business better,
2: which yeah is
1: pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, right? Is that fair oh, to for say?
2: Sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean I mean it's it's like I will I will say it it started out as something to do to get healthy and then it ended up being, okay, this is the thing that scares me. You know, sure. so <laughs> You know that saying, "Um do one thing every day that scares you, yeah, well, that was it for a while, you know,
1: sure, and then it's not scary anymore, and you go on to the next right. thing that's scary, whatever that is,
2: exactly, mhm, interesting so
1: so where do you go from here, like what does twenty nineteen look like for you?
2: <laughs> well, um, I'm hoping to get uh expand my speaking profile, you know, okay. I've given these two TEDx talks, um, sure. I am hoping to uh, start to build my career as a speaker um, okay. and I'm going to be writing some more. So hopefully I'll come out with another book or two. Um, yeah. And expanding my services. So, you know, I, I do podcast publicity, which is of course how you and I met. Yeah. I some some clients. Yep. Um, so I'm going to look into maybe putting my money where my mouth is and, um creating my own podcast.
1: Very cool. You should. You should. You very much should. You know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I love conversations and so I think I think it's probably the next frontier for me is is uh, getting out there and and you know, having my own podcast as another form of content that I'm creating.
1: No, I 100% agree. It's interesting you touched on something that I think we should kind of dive a little bit deeper into. You and I connected <laughs> uh, I can't remember, but we we met online basically, right? Like and then to your point, you sent me a few of your clients to be on my show. And and so, and then I was like, well, let's talk about all the stuff you're doing, because I think it's very Mm -hmm. relevant to my audience as well to get them thinking about all this stuff, right? Because I think doing a TED talk is kind of, I I get, I get people could probably just Google it and or read your book, but It's still kind of this mystical thing that people don't really understand, right? right? Mm And certain generations of people still just don't Google something, which I find really quite (laughs) fascinating. Like, my parents' generation, and I don't mean it mean, because I had, my Mm mother-in-law called me the other day, and she's like, how come YouTube doesn't work on the Apple TV? And, like, it was my old Apple TV that I gave her, and I don't have one anymore. And I was like, I don't know, I like, let me Google it. Why it's not on there, and you have to like install it now, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like certain generations don't Google things, right? Where, oh, for sure, which is to me is like it just seems crazy at first, but then mm-hmm. you step back, and it's like, well, no, like I, you and I grew up just Googling everything, right? And so right, it's just right. like, uh, it's almost like an automatic reflex. And now I don't even Google it, I just ask Google and, and it just tells me <laughs> so, but. So many people don't think about this stuff until they're kind of in it or or whatnot. And the the point I'm trying to make is, there's people like you that have figured this stuff out, and people are willing to pay for that because it takes a lot of time to figure this stuff out. Right? It mm-hmm. takes months, years, absolutely. And and mm-hmm. maybe like it takes years to master one platform. Never mind all the platforms.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure you know and and i've you know the people that i work with generally yeah you know it's not that they wouldn't be able to figure this out if they really took the time and committed to it you know, especially with social media social media has to be engaged with every day yeah it has to be taken care of at least monday through friday you know yeah um and sometimes sometimes scheduled on the weekends depending on who your audience is you know sure um, it's really just a matter of why take that time if there's somebody who's already an expert in it, and you know then that's their business because who has time to do it when you're running a business or writing your book or you know creating great content out there, like who has the time to also play around on on facebook <laughs> sure
1: no fair and and creating new content, especially when it's about yourself can be really, mm-hmm. really challenging. Like I've had other people on the show yeah. where they're, um, they're like a expert on a certain platform and they struggle creating content for themselves on that platform that they help other people. But the fact yep. that you're an objective third party, you can go into a company or speaker or whoever and say,
0: mm-hmm.
1: look, you're in this space. People love content about you in these categories. So we're going to post more content in these spaces where if if you were doing it for me, I would be like, I, I don't know what people care about, but you could come in and say, you know what, Kevin, people care about these things. So let's post more about exactly. these things. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. adds more value than a lot of people think about. Because it's it's a struggle to create your own content.
2: Oh yeah, it is. It for sure it is, you know, because especially, you know, for the longest time I was like, you know, the, the cobbler's daughter has no shoes, you know. Sure. But, I was helping, helping people create content, and, you know, advising them and everything. And and my own uh, social media platforms were really anemic.
3: Yep. Um,
2: you know, so, (laughs) so I, you know, I I definitely get the, you know, it's really hard to sort of know what your audience wants. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes the social media platform will tell you, I'll give you an example, I have a client, and she's she's so good about creating content. She writes for uh LinkedIn, she writes for Thrive, you know, she's always creating new blog posts. And she gave a she did a podcast episode okay. talking about her journey from um entrepreneur to uh executive. Okay. And, you know, it, it, it had a lot to do with failure and it had a lot to do with um, you know, changing changing your dreams later in life and things like that. And a hundred people interacted with it right away wow. on LinkedIn. Really? Like all of a sudden she had a hundred likes and we were like, and I you know, she wrote me, she was like, Oh my gosh. And I was like, maybe that's the next thing you have to write about because the audience is telling you, you know, sometimes that takes some time, but sure. If you're taking care of your audience, they'll let you know what they want.
3: Sure.
1: Yeah. No, that's actually really good advice, but we're actually out of time. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you, the books, the speaking, uh, you helping them with, with Ted, and and any other links you want to mention.
2: Sure. Um, well, my website is incontrera.com, I-N-C-O-N-T-R-E-R-A acom com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. <laughs> um, sure. My email is marie.incontrera at gmail.com. Um, and my books are on Amazon.
1: Perfect, Marie. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time later day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks very much. Okay, bye.
0: Bye